<laughs> we work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. Don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded in play. Play grounding when it's time to get a life. Hello and welcome to the Playgrounding Podcast. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Fortier, still here in the treehouse at the Brewery Artist Complex in LA. Today's episode is going to be a little different. I know they're all different, um, but this one is probably a departure from where you might think a conversation about play can or maybe even should go, uh, but I think you are going to be extremely pleasantly surprised. Um, I met Sabrina Must um, online and I immediately fell in love with her playful, inspiring blog. I mean, she has, in post, she has posts about travel and relationships, about traveling with her dog, dating, family. I mean, she even has posts about business. And at first I just kind of looked at this smorgasbord of amazing topics and thought, ooh, let's do one on dating relationships or, or love and, and how important it is to play with our partner. I mean, that would be a fun place to go and we still will one day. Um, but we didn't even have time to broach the subject. Uh, this conversation was so organic and we ended up diving in. Uh, oh man, and where we ended up going. I'm so happy. The conversation you're going to hear today was prompted by a question I had about a book she wrote called Must Girls Love. It's her reflection on the suicide death of her sister. And I wouldn't have thought you could have a conversation about play and grief, but well, here we are. (laughs) And it's amazing. It's deep. And sometimes it's really hard to listen to just to let you know. And if you've experienced loss and something truly devastating like Sabrina has, don't worry about listening to this. You might actually find it as a refreshingly honest conversation about grief. And if you haven't experienced that kind of loss, this is for you too, because I represented that part of the conversation. It's a beautiful window into the hearts and minds of our friends who we might be called upon to hold space for and to comfort in times of deep sorrow. Um, And there were moments in this conversation, and even while editing it, and even while just describing it right now, it's so weird, um, I got choked up again and again. It's really weird. This isn't easy stuff at all. But I do believe so, so deeply that her playful spirit and her outlook on grief is very unique, and it's very nourishing and healing, and it will not leave you feeling down at all. It will take you to a deep place, but um, just trust me. Um, Sabrina is an author and a blogger and a speaker. Her blog is at sabrinamust.com. And as she says it, she unapologetically shares about her life to inspire you to share your story, to live more honestly and have more fun. Joys and struggles, it's all here. And she holds true to this throughout our conversation. And she's even inspired me to take a few steps even deeper in playgrounding with my own vulnerability and my own story. That's all going to happen some other day. But anyway, right now, um, by the way, there are two com- there are two conversations that we ended up having, two very deep conversations, but I decided to make them into two episodes. So the topic we're talking about today, it needs to stand on its own, but you'll also hear from Sabrina again next week on another topic, and you'll learn all about what that is then. But for now, here's Sabrina. Well, I'm just 
super excited to have you on. Like, thank you so much for reaching out. I've, I've, wow. And, and the, the coolest part of all of this is just the vast array of topics that, you know, we could cover with you because you're, you know, you're a writer and you're just talking about anything. Like when I, (laughs) when people are like, Oh, is it okay? I'm like hesitant to ask. I'm like, honestly, like I am just the least private person you'll meet. Um, It's just, (laughs) You know, I was I was on a date with this guy. This is like six months ago. It's been a while now. But I remember sitting on like the second or third date with this guy. And I knew like it just probably wasn't a right fit. But I was uh-huh. so, he was a nice guy. And I was trying to like give it a chance. And he was talking to me about how his ex-girlfriend, like the biggest issue that they had was that he was really private and she wasn't. And I was like, oh boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, wrong thing. I don't think it's going to work out. He's like, I know, but you really fascinate me. I'm like, I fascinate you because I trigger something in you. Mm-hmm. If you haven't figured out how to, like, fix that or whatever's going on that, like, that bothered you so much about her, like, not going to work with me. No, no, no. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, I, but mostly, I mean, for – the sake of the podcast and for whatever, I I really just want to get to know you for a minute and and just ask you some questions. Yeah, you're an author. Um, you have so much life experience that you share on your website. Um, but most importantly, I think like I keep coming back to that root of that book that you wrote, um, the memoir regarding your sister's suicide and just so much. I just kind of want to. F- who are you and and how you got your start and where your passion and your heart is. Um, before we even talk about play at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when I say that book, like in many ways defines everything about me, mm-hmm. I, it, it almost like it, it doesn't do it justice. It, it doesn't say enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly would have no idea what I would be doing or where I would be living or who I would be if I, A, hadn't lost my sister and B, hadn't written that book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I would have done was just run for years um, and writing that because I was so focused on almost um, almost memorializing my sister. So it was kind of like I was doing something for her and for my family, mm-hmm. even though some of my family didn't really like what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um it, it focused me on not running. It did, almost didn't allow me to. And because I was writing it, I was dealing with all the grief mm-hmm. and fixing things that I, I truly, I do. I think that most people push it away for a, for a decade. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so much of me. And I think about not necessarily writing that book or the book as, as a whole. Um, but every day I, I, there's that part of me that, I remember how I felt, what I was going through, and it's like the sense of relief that I don't feel that way anymore. Oh, wow. It's it like it it in in a, even though I didn't attempt suicide myself, mm-hmm. I was kind of every day. I kind of played around with the idea. Like mm-hmm. I, I was so gutted that mm-hmm. um, you know. Who I am is so much because of all that shitty stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm still me. And like, if you know, I, you know, I was talking with my best friend earlier on the phone about something totally unrelated to this, but you know, she said, she's like, I know you so well 
and you know, like in I, who I was in high school and college, I'm, I'm the same person. It's just, I think a more of a, um, you know, for any of us, when we, when we develop and we grow, you become more self-aware to then adjust to how others are interpreting your actions and your words. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily that you're like change is good. Um, changing who you are, I, I, I have a couple beliefs about that because I do think that you should just own like, hey, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like malicious or there's something about you that like just isn't nice. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's it's sometimes it's softening those parts so you can interact with you. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I just like to play. And so that was, you know, I, I have my interns are actually coming over in a couple hours. I've been working with a couple um, college students in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll we'll play around with Instagram, with podcasts, with this and that. And I remember, like, doing research with Michaela and coming across yours and being like, this is awesome. Like, this, let's reach out. Like, this is – because this is a lot about, you know, I – Everything I'm doing, I really love doing, and but the core of it is always, I want to have fun. Like I just want to feel good. Yeah. Can I feel good? Playing is what makes me feel good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Thank you. And I I really feel that just visiting your blog, just I could see how much just passion and exuberance you have for life, and sort of and then I. So I'm, I'm reading through all of this, and then I come to the post where you you kind of talk about this book. It's uh, called Must Girls Love, and um, I was like, wow, it, playfulness. I think a lot of people think of it as this, this surface level um, thing you do to distract yourself or, you know, something like that. It's like, uh, you know going for a happy hour, doing these things. I feel like people see it as a distraction, but no, it's it's a deep spiritual yep. part, as a part of who someone is and you can see it in a person I could see it just like your blog <laughs> and I don't even know you <laughs> I you know I was talking about I, I was just in Wyoming um visiting mm. a friend for a couple weeks and um I actually got him sick I had, was sat <laughs> next to this young boy on the plane who like wouldn't stop coughing and his mom was like it's allergies it's allergies right a day later, I get sick, Travis gets sick, you know. But we were, I was talking to him about, you know that moment when, like, you've had the flu or you've been sick in bed for days or whatever, and then all of a sudden, it just, like, it breaks. Like, you just feel 90 80% like yourself. And the high that you get from mm-hmm. that excitement of, like, oh, my God, like, I'm not going to be unhealthy for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have energy, and it's, like, you know, you get down about it when mm-hmm. you're I get really down when I'm sick Mm -hmm. and it's that, that similar feeling of, you know, I just like, you should want to play and it shouldn't just be about, Oh, I'm going to happy hour. I'm going to this, like, no, like everything that you do in life, like Mm -hmm. when someone says life is hard, I'm like, Mm -hmm. there are things about life that really sucks at times Mm -hmm. and situations that suck, like, it could be death. It could be relationships ending. It could be, you know, people upsetting you, you upsetting people, whatever. Like, people are people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I inherently just don't believe that life is supposed to be that hard. Mm-hmm. 
it's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be enjoyable. Yeah. You know, and if you're not enjoying yourself, then how can you figure out another lifestyle that makes you have fun? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, it's a mindset and a way of responding. I mean, we keep hearing this over and over from people who study play that play playfulness um, informs how you respond in certain situations. So whether it be how you respond to solving a problem in innovation, um, you know, we had the, uh, you know, uh, Trisha Edwards from the Smithsonian on and, and I mean, playfulness makes you more innovative. Playfulness can help you respond to tragedy and respond to the, the things in life that are hard, you know, just yeah. like solving a problem like, you know, some of the problems these innovative 10 year olds are doing that I have no idea what it even is. It's so advanced to me, but like solving a problem of feeling like you can't get out of bed in the morning after something really horrible happens. Um, and I, I have, my community has been rocked by two suicides this year. Um, uh, my Burning Man community, um, totally unrelated, not a part of the Burning Man, you know, not, both totally different circumstances um, just happen to touch lives of people that I'm, you know, I know pretty well, Uh, especially one. He's like a brother to me and he lost his brother. And it's just as I watch people, I I never had something like that happen to me. And I just go, how in the world can his family feel normal again? You know, just his mother in, in this this space. And I just feel like, you know, in the face of that, you just it, from your own experience, you decided to write and that became something that helped you. Can you kind of talk about how, what that did for you? For sure. Um, first off, I'm, I'm really sorry about the loss. It's yeah. People say I'm sorry or in the bottom line, like it just sucks. It like, sucks. There's no, like it just sucks. There's <laughs> no other way to say it. No. It, it's, it's shitty. It doesn't feel good. Um, it rocks everyone around you. Mm-hmm. I feel for his parents. I mean, it, it'll be my sister's 10 year death anniversary in November. And there's something in my mom's head that she's always had, you know, we were on the phone about a month or two ago and she was crying about, you know, it's that 10 year and like, it sounds so long, mm-hmm. but it's so short, no, you know? Yeah, it... And, and it, yeah, it just, but um, it's it can be anything. I know mm-hmm. someone that's putting together a suicide documentary mm-hmm. called the S Word, and Lisa uses a different form of creativity. It's it's storytelling through film. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was writing. It's how can you find something that allows you to both go internal and then directly, indirectly allow others in, mm-hmm. and that can be. It can be, you know, you're starting a business to distract yourself and what that does for others mm-hmm. allows them to feel more open and understood and heal themselves mm-hmm. because they provide for their family or they have a purpose. It could be art. It could be, I mean, there's so many different ways to use that negative energy and make it positive. Mm-hmm. I just think that, you know, in that moment you feel so stuck mm-hmm. um, and, and negative about life, mm-hmm. like it, it sucks. I hate this. I want to die. I, I wrote this blog post months ago because I never really thought about it until someone had referenced it. It might've been in relation to the, to that documentary, but, um, the, the idea of like the contagion effect mm. and what ends up happening, like with your friend, 
oh, my brother killed himself. I could kill myself too. And instead of, you know, like before my sister died, I might've been really down Mm -hmm. at times, like being a teenager, being in college, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was never, it was never an idea. Mm -mm. It was never an option. And all of a sudden it becomes part of your reality. And so you have to put yourself into a situation where you are, you're doing something to, to put that energy elsewhere. So it's, it's something creative. It's something productive. It's something. And for me as a writer, that's what it became. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't mean that you like, I think everyone should write. Um, I think it helps people process and go internal and really understand what's going on in their head and their feelings, mm-hmm. um, especially in something when you experience such great grief. Mm-hmm. But um, it doesn't have to be that. It could be playing the guitar. It could be drawing. It could be going out and running a marathon and being quiet with yourself for 26 miles. Do you know what I mean? Wow, yeah. Um, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's every every person's way is right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no right way, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I grew up, my father um, was a minister. He's retired now. I, I've spent most of my life in situations where I'm tangentially involved in families' deepest moments of grief and joy, you know, as a, a minister does. Um, but it's the moments of grief, obviously, that really stuck out in my mind as it growing up very rarely did it sorry I'm sorry I'm gonna say I'm gonna pipe in real quick I think I think as much as the human mind attaches to happiness and attaches to good mm-hmm. the grief is it's fearful mm-hmm. and it's like a survival tactic of you you hold on to that of how can I avoid that because I don't want to deal with mm-hmm. that and so even though it could be a 20 wonderful experiences with family, that one time mm-hmm. that you saw a family destroyed because of a death or because of this or because of that, it almost like pictures it. Mm-hmm. It no longer, you know, I mean, I think that people probably still look at, you know, my family or they could look at, you know, your friend, like whoever you've lost that associated with death or suicide or whatever it is mm-hmm. and still hold that, you know, it's not pity. It's kind of like, oh, it's like, I don't want that. Yeah. But then they ignore all the positives. Yeah. Um, they forget about them in a moment because it's it's fear driven. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, no, no. It's, that's, this is amazing. I lo- I'm loving this conversation. Um, what, I was, what I kind of was getting at is like, even though I, I do have these experiences and I have been a part of these kinds of conversations. I went to seminary myself. I'm not a pastor. I went a different direction, but I did study, you know, people who study grief. And I've, I've spent a lot of my life sort of thinking these things through in a very philosophical kind of way. But when I'm actually faced with it, with my friends, I just found myself completely speechless. And, and, and then as I'm kind of reading what you were writing about how you, your family was on this trajectory. Your sisters were going. You were going to live in Panama. Like you guys had all these life plans, and this action that your sister took um, changed all of your lives. And and the fact that there was a I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something as in that your life you discovered something that changed your life for the better. And I kind of recoiled for a second, like, oh, but is it okay to say that? 
you know, mm-hmm. but if we can't be playful in these moments, if we can't find something, um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, would you mind talking to that a little bit? I mean, both the fact that people who are trying to support others in their grief are, yeah. are misconceptions, like things we just may not understand at all. And then maybe also about how you discovered something new and beautiful on the other side. For sure. Um, that's definitely something that, you know, I even recoil from wanting to accept inside of myself and voicing it externally mm-hmm. because it seems like how unfair of me. Um, it, like even honestly, there's certain thoughts that I have that like that can trigger me crying immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's one of them is I would do anything to have my sister back. Absolutely. And like I miss her dearly. Mm-hmm. And um sorry. No, no. Uh, but you know but on the same token, it's I almost am thankful for like her decision in a weird way because I wouldn't be this way in certain you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't not that I'm like, you know, Listen, I'm very flawed in many ways, and I could be way more patient and way not at way less impulsive. And there's so many different things that you know that make me me, but mm-hmm. that you know might bug the shit out of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is part of me that I'm I'm really feel fortunate that for all the shit that went on because I. I'm so self-aware. I Mm -hmm. I just am. I know myself so well. And I was able to to craft a life that feels like I'm on a path that, you know, it is fulfilling. There's a lot more that I want to accomplish and a lot more that I want to be doing. And there's times where I feel like that struggle of like, shit, I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, so it's, there is that fine line, you know, it's like, there is benefit from it and like that, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel, people say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do feel sad for thinking that at times because it's like, but I'm feeling that way because my sister's dead mm-hmm. is like what goes on in my head. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's like, well, you know, that that's the reality. Yeah. She's never me back so I don't know you know I, I could I could hypothesize what my life would be like if she would you know like yeah I would have gone to Panama I probably would have started traveling honestly I had that gut feeling of like I probably would be living in Australia or New Zealand yeah. like I was just I don't know I would have just been I would have been running for myself mm. um trying to discover things but just not knowing how to yeah um you know and I think what people, it's, again, it goes back to that fear. Um, you know, they, it, it's, it's a hesitation to, to ask the hard questions, to, to want to know more. Mm-hmm. Um, I get this from friends. Like, they, they feel bad, you know, is this an appropriate question? Or <laughs> is it okay if I ask in the middle of this restaurant? Or, like, please ask me. I, because at some point, right? You will be going through this as well. It is, and in, in some ways, fortunately, other ways, unfortunately, I think that there's a lot of benefit to experience great loss as, as someone younger, mm-hmm. but you know, it, 
it's understanding, it's seeing, seeing someone else go through it, experiencing it yourself, and learning from both situations in different ways so then you can be more present either for yourself or for your loved ones mm-hmm. if, say, your buddy lost his, his brother. Mm-hmm. And, and there's never – I just – I just think there's so much to, you know, it's just communicating Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's not feeling like what you're going to say is wrong or off limits Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, it, it should be, if anything, it doesn't talking about death and talking about suicide and talking about anything else that is a shitty situation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be heavy. Yeah. Start with, you know, like tell me about what happened and then and then because you start talking about it, those those sad memories can almost be replaced by like, I remember when my sister did this and this and this. She's an idiot. You know, like (laughs) you know, like I remember when my mom and my sister were road tripping from Colorado to Michigan or Michigan, Colorado or whatever, my mom forgot to take the you know, the gas thing out of the car and they drove away and they ripped it off and like oh I can't believe that my I didn't tell my you know like whatever yeah and you and then you and then you keep the person not only alive Mm -hmm. but it makes yourself lighter it makes the person next to you lighter it makes it okay to talk about Mm -hmm. um I just I see it all the time where you know people they feel so uncomfortable yeah and it can be anything though. It doesn't just have to be um, death or something that's removed from you that you're not looking at. It mm-hmm. can be, hey, I sit down at a restaurant and I'm with a big group of friends or the person next to me is crippled. Mm-hmm. Why is it, it, we've created this dynamic in our culture where why can't I ask someone, like if I was a child, why can't I ask, hey, what's wrong with your arm? Mm-hmm. And it becomes this like, we create these barriers. Yes. It's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. It's insensitive. Why is that inappropriate and sensitive? Yeah. I just want to learn about you because I don't want something that looks so different from my arm or from my experience or whatever to, if I understand what happened to you, it doesn't seem fearful anymore. Wow. Does That's that make sense? Absolutely. I, I remember just at the U S play coalition conference, I went to a session just out of pure curiosity on yeah. integrated integrating playgrounds and accessibility yeah. and one of the mother a woman was there she'd gotten into it because she was a mother of a child who was disabled and she said how much she loved watching the kids on the playground when her son would approach just mm-hmm. with no adult supervision then they would just say hey what happened to you what's going on and I'm like the childlike inquisi- inquisition into these kinds of things that they don't even know and then we become so bogged down with these things that I don't even know how we learned them. I don't know how we got like this, but it just creates this. I don't know this... how we either. It's, yeah. It's, but I hear that stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, you do. You. It's. It can be as simple as, listen, I'm never going to be that girl with well manicured like I I you can't really see them I painted them I, I will actually all my color I usually like colored ones yeah because it like brightens it up more but I had black which I like too sometimes but they're already <laughs> chipped after a day you can't really they're like like it's like a child painted my nails okay <laughs> I, 
my feet, like, you know, my heels crack. Like, it's just not a pretty thing. <laughs> but it becomes, I, I mean, you know, my mom adores me, but I hear it from her almost every conversation. When are you getting your nails done? Just go to a manicurist. <laughs> just go to, I'll pay for it. Go to a manicurist. Go mm -hmm. to, you know, and it becomes, that's the standard, right? Mm -hmm. Just like it's the standard to, um, to not be nosy. To not ask questions mm -hmm. when it makes someone else feel uncomfortable. Well, mm -hmm. why would it make them feel uncomfortable? I I had, um this is an old blog post that, I mean, I wrote this. It happened to Greg about two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, a, a guy that used to come to my boot camp, like a, fr a friend of mine, really like healthy, young, active, handsome, like all together, got in a motorcycle accident, lost one of his legs. Ooh. So shocking that he didn't actually lose his other one of his arms because oh it was that mangled. Um, and I remember walking into the to the hospital room to see him, and there's that, you know, it's like that that learned fear of, mm -hmm. am I allowed to look at it? Can I touch it? Mm -hmm. Like, it does he feel uncomfortable? And as soon as you just break that boundary mm -hmm. and like actually touch it or talk to him about it or it it doesn't, it's not scary anymore. It's, mm -hmm. wow, that sucks, right? We go back to that whole thing with the suicide. That sucks. Mm -hmm. Like, he actually sees it as almost a positive thing. Same thing with my sister dying. Mm -hmm. um, but because we could talk about it and it was out in the open and it was, whoa, look at this. Look how weird <laughs> this is. You know? It, yeah. was, it wasn't, nothing was off limits. You yeah. didn't feel like, Honestly, now that I'm thinking, like, I'm, I, I don't know if you could hear it. I, when I, so when I'm, the way that my mind works is I'll have, like, I'll be in yoga class and all of a sudden I'll have this thought of, like, oh my God, this is a great block, like, or like a sentence. Yeah. And if, if I don't write it down right then, I'm so ADD that mm -hmm. I will forget forever. I'm so the same I'm way. taking <laughs> down a couple notes right now. I would love what I think what I'll end up doing just because I think that this conversation, that's what conversation is, yeah. right? Like, to, it like it brews ideas mm -hmm. and, and thoughts that you didn't even, and that's what writing does for me. Mm -hmm. I'll start writing and I won't even necessarily have understood why I felt a certain way. And as soon as I work through it with the words, it's like, mm -hmm. Oh, that's why. And I connect all the dots. Mm -hmm. um, I think even just writing a blog post about and incorporating our conversation into it mm -hmm. about this, because for some people it's, it's listening that helps them process it and hearing voices for some people it's a visual for some people it's both for some people it's reading mm -hmm. um, for some people it's all of it yeah but you know it's how how can you present things in a way that that connects with everyone in one way or another to then say then it goes back to the playfulness mm -hmm. you know it we're almost like taught to be fearful yes because that's what all of that is. It's all fear. It's I'm afraid I'm going to say something that's going to somehow create a worse situation than the one they're already in, um, which is kind of absurd if you really think about it when, you, when you're in face of kind of this kind of loss. I know my husband and I had him actually on the podcast really early on um, to talk about his approach to life because he experienced a lot of tragedy as a child and he yeah. is just the biggest joker. And yeah. if with some of his friends and the bad things happened, he can make some of the most crass jokes and I'll just be like, <gasps> and he, and the, and they're laughing together. It, it breaks all of that pretense that people have around 
individuals experiencing grief and tragedy like we put them in a little glass box like oh no don't don't blow on them too hard they're going to fall over and break and actually i think kind of what i'm hearing is you know break all that fear down bring take all those preconceived ideas and just be real with these people and just let them let 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 the reality of the situation be and then have hope that on the other side they will find something beautiful the way that you did there was multiple times you know i don't i can't even remember the exact situation or why i would make the joke uh-huh. um but i would make these like i mean for a couple of years after my died like it would it would just like be my go to almost of like you know like like oh she'll just hang herself <laughs> like terrible oh. like a couple of times my friends would like look at me like oh, no like did you just hear what you said yeah and yeah like i mean a fact that's what my sister did mm-hmm. she hung herself right again mm-hmm. shitty situation mm-hmm. but in some ways like maybe it's not an, a quote again appropriate place to joke but like it can be funny if you make the punchline appropriate, you know, like it, I, there's something that laughter does in that play that it like, it, it brings you back to that childlike Mm -hmm. nature. And if you can't joke about something, if something feels off limits, if something feels fearful, Mm -hmm. you, you almost, you're, you're, you're trapped in that adulthood instead of like being Mm. that child. Wow. So, you know, and again, I say this and like, I figured out some things, but there's a lot of stuff that like, you know, I, I still question myself on a lot of things. And I'm not, again, am I doing enough? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Like, mm-hmm. and then I always go back to, but I'm enjoying myself doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I'm loving what I'm doing, you know, the financial, you know, like the mm-hmm. money, the the this, the connection with more people, spreading your your story, like that all is a residual effect, in my opinion, of doing something you love. And, and yeah, that's actually it's funny. I like I said, your your range of topics that you write on is so vast. And I was actually really excited because I've been kind of wanting to have someone talk about play and relationships. And but yeah. once I, I I I just wanted to see where this conversation went, and I'm so grateful for the depth. Um, and for this is probably something no one would have thought to have. Oh, let's talk about grief and play. But this yep. is actually what's happening. And I'm really kind of blown away and, and want to kind of go into where you've ended up um, and the kinds of work that you do um, when you say when you just trust what you do and just trust that you love what you do and are having fun. Can you describe some of the stuff that you're doing now? Yeah, Um so a lot of my focus these days is on my blog. Mm-hmm. I'm really, you know, um, putting myself in new situations, whether it be traveling somewhere and then sharing those travel tips or those experiences, <laughs> or it can be, it can be, you know, a blog post might be, hey, travel tips like today. My blog post is about tips for traveling with your dog. I take my dog almost everywhere with me. I need that blog post. <laughs> I tried it my first dog and it just did not go more suggestions because there's a lot of times when I'm like writing these things out I'm like oh Mm -hmm. isn't that obvious but it's not obvious no and because 
people, it's giving someone permission to try something mm -hmm. and to think, oh, well, I can't take my dog. That Well, why not? <laughs> that was, but the first trip I took my dog on was in Guatemala. Oh, wow. I, all of a sudden, I was like, I'll just take monkey. And everyone's like, you can't take monkey. And I was like, why not? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if I have the proper documentation and she's with me all the time and I keep her safe like I would anywhere, it's not like, you know, I'm taking her into like a war zone. Yeah. Like, taking her across a border <laughs> and it became, it became, I mean, again, it goes back to playfulness. Mm -hmm. It's why, why is that not allowed? Yeah. Why, why can't I? Um, so a lot of what I'm doing is, you know, like trying to grow my blog. Um, mm -hmm. and the underlying message always is, Hey, this is ways that I'm struggling or ways that I'm thriving. Mm -hmm. Um, does this trigger you? Does it make you excited? Um, are you fearful, fearful reading it? Um, what is, what is the reaction that you're having internally and externally? Mm -hmm. How can that either inspire change, inspire more fun, inspire you to comment and have a conversation with me mm -hmm. about it? Um, it, it can be something on travel. It can be something on grief. It could be something about, you know, traveling with a partner. I've always traveled alone, mm -hmm. traveling with someone back in Mexico, like inviting a guy down to spend five days with me. So unlike me, like, <laughs> so unlike me. I mean, I was just talking with my best friend. I spent 12 nights. I even know the number of nights to a T <laughs> that I was in Wyoming with, with visiting someone. And even my best friend, she was like, I still cannot get over that you spent 12 nights there, Sabrina. You can barely do two nights with someone. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's, and so it's talking about that. Mm -hmm. It's being real. Mm -hmm. And I just know, I always go back to, if I'm experiencing it, many, many, many other people are too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Is there anything coming up? I know people can go to your website. Do you want to tell people how they can reach you and kind of some of the ways they can support what you're doing as well? Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything is on my website, sabrinamust.com. Mm -hmm. Like Sabrina, like the movie must, you must remember. That's yep. how I always kind of say it. Yep. Um, and you know, I, I've been doing a lot more traveling. I'm going to San Francisco to feature a hotel, um, a boutique hotel on the blog and write about a bunch of restaurants and again, setting it up where I'm going to go to a couple yoga studios and fitness studios and try them all out. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot more travel in the works and, you know, just pushing, I'm trying to work with Amazon right now that, um, not only are, are people allowed able to purchase, um, Must Girls Love as an ebook, but also get it in a paperback book. Some people just want the physical copy, mm -hmm. which trust me, I totally get it. I, I've never actually read an ebook. If oh, I'm yeah. being honest, I, I like paperbacks. I like feeling it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, whether it's a blog post or a book, or I'm speaking at a university or a company, whatever it is, it's always with the same, it's the same intention. Like how can I use my shit and my story to mm -hmm. give you a little bit more permission to be real. Yes. And I'm going to, like, probably as soon as I we stop talking right now, I'm going to start working on, I want to write a blog post and we'll incorporate, you know, obviously. Oh, great. Um, so I, yeah, I'm always open to collaborations and just, again, it's just, it's making things okay to talk about. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah. Talk about it. Mm -hmm. We feel more comfortable. And when we feel more comfortable, 
we're more self-confident and happier and then are willing to play. I mean, it's just like this domino effect that, you know, it, so yeah awesome well thank you so much i i'm so grateful for this conversation and um yeah i look forward to keeping in touch and reading about all the adventures that you're going on in the future (laughs) very cool thank you for listening to today's episode hear the second half of my conversation with sabrina Mus next week in the meantime don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts see you next week